The year is 1993. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Marvelous year. I'm Dave Busey, founder and editor in chief of comicbookherald.com. You are listening to 1993 Part 2. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the essential Marvel comics that came out in 1993. We're going to be talking about the debut of Cable's solo series, the debut of Deadpool's solo series, a miniseries, and an X-Factor one-shot that is quite well regarded. So a lot of things mutant, a lot of things X-Men line of the universe as is so often the case. Again, I'm Dave. I am joined today by a couple very special guests, one of whom, one of whom, a time-traveling arms dealer? It's Charlotte Fierro. How's it going? Hi, I'm good. Um, I'm just switching back from the future and the present, and I'm not quite sure what year it is right now, so I'm curious <laughs> to find out. But you, but you do record a podcast in both future and present. That's interesting. I would say. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's coming out simultaneously in the present and in the future. It's the literally the only thing anyone can listen to. It's been uh, prohibited to listen to anything else. So it's doing pretty well. <laughs> Charlotte, tell me, ha- have I been vindicated in the future about my, my more extreme opinions? Is Alpha Flight the, the most popular uh, Marvel property on, on Earth? Do you want the honest answer? Don't say it. Don't the... say it. Don't say it. Because that's going to change the timeline. It's going to change the timeline. <laughs> that's if I hear Alpha Flight's the most popular thing, I'm going to have to take some very drastic actions that I otherwise would not have taken. <laughs> so do not let us know. Uh, but yeah, you've heard this other voice now. You know that they are on the podcast as well. It is the one, the only, the the host with a mouth. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Good. I I want to say I think you really missed an opportunity here because this is one of the first episodes I was realizing we have to do like our little joke bits at the beginning. You have to have like two separate bits for me and Charlotte mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know whoever's doing it for the two other people. Um, when you called us uh, both special guests, uh, I think there's a real missed opportunity to really dig it to me to be saying like. <laughs> Uh, and I'm joined today by uh, our co-host Charlotte Fierro and a special guest Zach. <laughs> you immediately bumped her to uh, to host status and then still kept me as oh, a special there's guest. there's still time. There's still plenty of time. Mm, Don't you yeah, worry. Yeah, no, you you messed it up. It's too late. The uh, no, 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 the, Zach. The there are so many of these episodes. Like nope. We're going to be recording my Marvel this year episodes into the distant future when Alpha Flight may or may not be uh, running supreme and forcing people to love their comics. So we got plenty of time. <laughs> To make what do you think has a bigger chance of making it into the MCU, Alpha Flight or Squadron Supreme? Oh, Squadron! Oh my God, Squadron Supreme! I think. Yeah, you think so? They're yeah. already doing multiverse stuff, and that's already the way of things. Absolutely, a Squadron yeah, Supreme Disney like Plus announcement I, would get the, still, get the juices flowing. I'm still sticking to my like half theory that uh, the Wolverine origin in the MCU might be tied to Alpha Flight because that that's the one thing they haven't done in the. Fox X-Men movies, so maybe. But I don't see an actual, like, Alpha Flight TV show or something happening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like... You uh, sound surprised uh, by this, Zach. Su- it's Squadron... No, 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 I'm, I'm way into that. I'm just... Uh, I'm 
Squad and Supreme is so um like tied into DC and like so like riffing on you know the the Justice League that it's like kind of surprising for me to think that Disney would play with that like it's it's borderline litigious in the comics sometimes so uh yeah yeah i guess i mean maybe there's other versions that are uh a little bit less ripping off justice league or like playing with the justice league thing yeah okay well speaking of none of that because that's super mm. irrelevant <laughs> to cable and Deadpool. you know what this is a variant cover now dave uh-huh <laughs> totally different question uh all right so let's dig into cable deadpool and then x-factor uh what did we actually read first on the list let's see here x-factor 87 x-factor. let's start there then yeah. x-factor 87 is uh, a pretty well regarded and well-known issue at this point in the peter david era of x-factor this one's drawn by Joe Quesada, okay? I think the first mm-hmm. we've seen yeah. of Joey Q, uh, who will go on to very significant roles in Marvel Comics. We had inks by L. Milgram, colors by Marie Javins, letters by Richard Starkings. Uh, this is the examinations issue. It is an issue, a post-executioner song comic where everyone on the X-Factor unit is undergoing um, psychiatric counseling, essentially, right? And it is very much, I think, in the vein of... 90s understanding of like what therapy is you know and kind of that like Sopranos style like I go to therapy now and and kind of like some sort of media popularization of that sure. and how that yeah. works um, but it, it gives you basically three to four page windows into each character structurally conceptually I love it it's a really smart way to mm-hmm. dig into each character individually in a way that comics that that had not yet become a trope. That had not yet become a super overutilized thing. Um, I have criticisms of this, and I'll get into them. But I, I think Peter David, at this point, especially with Hulk, had seen that, like, oh, really examining character psyche and sort of their motivations and their inner workings and what makes them tick is a lane that not everyone else is really doing fantastic stuff with, you know? Especially as we get into the cable and the Deadpool and how indicative those are of this 90s wave of comics and action, action, action first, um, Peter David kind of goes the other way. And I think that's a big part of what his popularity is. So before I get to any criticisms, Charlotte, Zach, what did you think of Examinate? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's very interesting conceptually. I I hadn't thought about the, the idea of therapy and psychology being something new in media at the time. But uh, yeah, it's true that compared to what comics were published at the time, it's very different and very new. Um, and I think it also works very well as um, an update on what these characters are up to and how what they're thinking thinking at that point in time. If you have maybe skipped on X Factor for a few issues or stuff like that, I think it's a it's a mm-hmm. good way to to give an update and um, w- without being focused on story, being focused on character points instead is very interesting and a different way to do that. It's a good yeah, catch I, your I, I totally agree. It- it's yeah. so yeah. It's such a good catching your breath and like checking in with the characters moment that I was reading this thinking like they should just do this every six months. Like every six mm-hmm. months, just redo <laughs> one of these <laughs> and check in with the characters and you know like play with this format. Like or having this being a running, um, like a running structural thing in the comic would like not even I don't, be on. I don't know that it gets used again. Which actually, now that you say, it, it's think- kind of weird. He did yeah. it again in the his 2000s X Factor, I think. Way later, yeah, yeah. Yeah, way, way, way later. Yeah, it's it's very good. I I also want to point out the Joe Casada art really helps this yeah. just stay um not just be like nine panels of 
two people having a conversation because it's not even two people having a conversation. You don't see at the end it's revealed that it's uh, Leonard Sampson, he's the psychiatrist, but you never see him throughout the sessions the camera's always focused on the character who's in therapy at and, that moment and it's definitely leading um, you to believe it's professor x you know because that cover is is professor sure, x yeah. <laughs> silhouetted you know yeah. um but then but then the actual reveal is it's david's longtime hulk you know character leonard sampson um who who works who fits well i think as yeah you know a psychiatric mm-hmm. liaison here utilized by valerie cooper and the team um as far as like where the team is at you know, so the post-executioner song, kind of everyone is just reacting to what seemed to be the death of Professor X um, and just kind of their position as a unit and as an X team, you know, in, in this era, essentially. Uh, there's a vibe and sort of a general idea here that like, oh, they have more problems or they fight more than the other X-Men teams, which I think is, as readers of those other lines, we know not to be the case, right? I don't think X-Factor is actually particularly unique in sort of the soap operatic structure and the bickering between teammates. Um, but David definitely plays up that they're like somehow more dysfunctional than the X-Men Blue and the X-Men Gold, which I suppose in their way they stand apart. You know, they stand aside. They mm-hmm. are a different thing. They are a governmental agency who, like there are so, f- there are much fewer friendships, I suppose, maybe, than than yeah. the Blue and Gold era X-Men. Um, the, the biggest criticisms I have of this is, you know, definitely this was an issue that when I read it the first time, I really liked it. I think for the era, it stands out a ton. Um, I think, again, just structurally and conceptually, I like what David's doing. When I read it now on a character basis, I like, I like, I really like what David does with Quicksilver. You know, I I actually Mm -hmm. like David's Quicksilver a lot. Him turning arrogance into an art form, you know, Quicksilver having the self-awareness that he's doing that of describing what it's like to live in a world where everyone is moving like snails. Like I actually really like his take on pretty much all of the male characters. <laughs> I think where David falls yeah, flat on yeah, his yeah, face okay. I know where we're going. <laughs> is with Rain Sinclair and Lorna Dane, where it's just, when I read it now, it yeah. is just so woefully written from a male perspective. There's zero effort. It seems to step outside of that for a moment, all of their conversations are about looks and attraction to men on the team, right? It is nothing about themselves <laughs> and their own That's actions, really. That's true with Lorna in, like, a huge way. Yeah. Is that true with Rain? I don't, I don't it, remember it that It ultimately being... resolves on her love, her unrequited love for Havoc. Is the is the thing yeah. that David keeps and coming that, I mean, back to the, and keeps fixating on. Lorna Dane is a particularly story, egregious example here. Wolf's Dane's whole story in X Factor to this point has been just having a huge crush on Alex and the two of them being tied. Uh, I think psychically after what happened in um, what was it Extinction Agenda? I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's a whole reason for being here, for being here, and most of what her character yeah. is is being okay. tied to Alex. So and yeah, it's. Really I, I mean, I, I think. A, Maybe maybe I just kind of forgot that because I I was just seeing like yeah it makes I, I I didn't mind the thing about like how she's looking for approval and she's always latching onto an authority figure because yeah. and of the lack of any kind of like parentage and I I also think it would work better if from that point on we saw the the influence of that moment of her realizing that and maybe her story changing and maybe freeing herself from what's happening with Alex and all that mm-hmm. but that doesn't ha- that doesn't happen. Really? So it's... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, with Lorna, I definitely yeah. saw it. <laughs> because, I mean, her whole thing is... Which is, you know, like... It's not that it's not a thing that happens, that people have, you know, body dysmorphia and, you know, can't view themselves like the rest of the world does. 
but uh it is hammered so hard it's like this is her entire personality is just being like you know obsessed with how sexy she is and uh and not believing that and know, it it also feels a thin. bit maybe hypocritical is maybe a um a strong word but like this this comic has put uh, all of their women in a very always in cheesecake poses and has a very male gazy vibe to mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and here peter david is trying to have a conversation uh, i think he thinks he's trying to have a conversation with the the expect the physical expectation that are put on women but mm-hmm. he still you just have to look at the comic to to see how that's he's not maybe the best person to talk about that yeah like he the the line of uh doc samson saying you kick my hormones into overdrive i mean what yeah that <laughs> that yeah that that was very Yikes. odd and kind of unsettling yeah where, like she's just like talking about how much she's been you know like losing weight and working out and uh and then like pulls off her cloak to reveal you know her sexy outfit and, and she's like and oh, that's I look that's like. going to be her new her new outfit for a lot of issues like that's not just one moment <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah pretty bad absolutely yeah. I, I think it's bad a stuff. it's a real like stain on this issue kind of how badly that's yeah. handled I, it's something too that stands out to me a lot again like this is not this was not my first reaction to this comic this is reading it again several times but also in particular reading you know a writer right now in 2021 leah williams doing all this like character reimagining essentially of lorna dane and actually making this a person and somebody who mm-hmm, I'm yeah. very interested in in other stories. Again, zero spoilers here. But when you see that, it's like, oh, like that is <laughs> that's how you do it, not this stuff, which is very. Um, it, again, I think one of the big problems with Peter David, I think, in a contemporary sort of re- being reanalyzed with with his comics, is good intentions, bad execution stuff. You know, where um, I think David thinks he's a lot more helpful. <laughs> for other yeah. like other perspectives and other groups than those groups actually feel. You know, when you read critics from marginalized communities, Peter David is pretty maligned at this point, um, whereas he retains it's so, it's so tremendous fandom I, I think... amongst male X-Men readers, especially yeah. those with tremendous nostalgia for the 90s. Yeah. Without having, like, read his stuff, like, you know, when he gets into LGBT issues... Uh, you know, I just had, I mean, Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Bab and I talked about it and we're just like, yeah, I think like he's really regarded as like this progressive guy, he won an award, a GLAAD award, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Not really knowing that there was this like backlash to him, um, you know, uh, after, after the early 2000s, apparently. So it will be interesting to, to read all that. Um, because yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see that pretty clearly. Yeah. Like, but again, to, to his credit, to Joe Quesada's credit, this issue stands out. I mean, it absolutely mm-hmm. stands out um, ahead of the pack. I think I've been a lot less interested in X-Factor since Larry Stroman exited the title. Um, I thought his art and just weird designs brought so much yeah. to X-Factor. Yeah. You know, it, it became a, it, it was a must-read every issue for me, kind of. It was that breath of fresh air, and now I don't feel that about it. Um, but it's still a title capable of doing these pretty interesting things, which, again, I think in contrast to the other stuff we read today, Cable and Deadpool... I'd much rather read X Factor eighty seven. You know, it is it oh is um, yeah. <laughs> a, a much more interesting yeah. work in terms of there like, was what's definitely going on more meat life. to bite into in that one issue than in these entire entire miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> speaking of like trying well, but uh, not not pulling it off. I thought you were going to say speaking of it? meat to bite into. <laughs> and I was about where that was going to go. <laughs> All right, speaking of meat, but um, the at, at the very end they do the credits and they're doing one of these cutesy things where like since this was psychiatric themed, 
uh, everybody gets like, uh, like Peter David, head of surgery, um, whatever, uh, the inker is like lead anesthesiologist, okay. something like that. Joe, Joe Casada gets introduced in his first comic that we've read as Joe Casada, head gynecologist. Like, yeah. Yikes! Like, uh, very very boys club joke, that. right? Very yeah. Very I mean, boys ve- very much just kind of joke, which which tells yeah, you a lot totally. about the culture here. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marie yeah, Javin sitting there as colorist, future editor in chief of DC, is like, when can it be two decades later? So I get out of this, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking uh, of two okay, decades so, later, let's jump into. Yeah, well, I guess yeah, not Cable please. yet. Let's jump into Deadpool: The Circle Chase. So we got a four issue miniseries introducing us to Deadpool's first. Solo ongoing. This was written by Fabian Nicieza. This is penciled by Joe Maderera, aka Joe Mad, aka one of the like most popular artists of the '90s. This is their first big Marvel work, uh, which I had actually completely forgotten. Um, it, Zach, we know Joe Mad most. We recognize Joe Mad um, from Ultimates Three. <laughs> that was his big return uh, to Marvel in 2007 with Ultimates oh, Three with Jeff like Lowe. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we got inks here by Mark Farmer, colors by Glennis Oliver. Letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Uh, Deadpool the Circle Chase. This is not yet the Deadpool we're going to think of and know, but we're getting a lot closer, right? So you have kind of these yeah. stages of becoming Deadpool. X-Force, basically entirely a costume and uh, and a cool-looking Merc. Now Fabian Nicieza does some work with the character where now he becomes the Merc with the mouth. And we get a lot of the players in Deadpool's world, like Weasel, we get recurring Weapon X factors, um, and we get Deadpool talking a lot. He is joking a lot, and he is talking a lot. It's not quite the fourth wall breaking um, sort of absurdist humor that we'll get eventually, you know? It is also yeah. basically never funny. <laughs> yeah, that, no. <laughs> it's, it, the thing is, it's like, it's Merc with a mouth, but like... When you think that, like, you think he would be, like, sillier and more wisecracking, but he's basically more or less the standard jokey hero. Yeah, like, he's not that different from what, like, Cable does. Like, he's not that different from what, like, anyone oh, has he, been doing. No, he's talking, I, honestly, it's like, it's pure word count stuff. Like, he is talking a lot. The bubbles are very filled to the brim. I mean, I think the, the challenge here, and I'm kind of, you know, giving some grace on this, is, like, most, all Marvel characters are not funny. <laughs> like like Spider-Man Very in the cute. 60s yeah. cracks jokes. They're rarely funny jokes, but there's sort of a playfulness I, I mean, and a JJJ humor to them. Gets me to laugh out loud sometimes. There's oh, yeah, there's great unintentional enough. comedy often, you know. No, no, I think some I think like Stanley on occasion would yeah. write like he, he can do character work that makes me laugh. Like like situational comedy as opposed to like one-liners. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I guess that that's true. Writing, that's true. writing Actually, a killer you know, one-liner only, in a comic one, is really challenging. Peter David's like the only one-line writer one-liner writer that like has worked for me he's big like, on he's one-liners, one-liners and puns. That, yeah and and they've like i it's notable that they've made me laugh out loud because it's been pretty rare yeah that's a good point i might be overstating the complete dearth <laughs> of comedy no, it, it's almost it's almost an entire dearth you're, you're correct yeah like but deadpool does not yeah. does not shatter those norms um but it but we're yeah. building to that point uh so i've read this previously um it's fine it's not the Deadpool that makes me interested in Deadpool. Um, Zach, Charlotte, what were, what were your reactions to this to this four issue mini? I don't know if I'll ever. I, I'm curious if there'll be a moment where I'm like, all right, I like Deadpool because I haven't read yeah. a good Deadpool comic. I I vaguely like the movies. Like the movies are kind of fun. Um, so you don't but you like, don't really like Ryan Reynolds Deadpool? 
You thought that no, was I fine? Didn't. That's what I said. You weren't, like, into Yeah, that I movie. mean, like, th- those movies are good. Like, I think those movies are solid. I don't, like, run to rewatch them, but, like, I think they're fun enough. Okay. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan, but they don't make me, like, oh, I love Deadpool now because of those movies. Like, I'm excited to see a third one, and, like, I think he's fun in the role, but I'm just not, like, over the moon about them. Okay. Um, But, like, I haven't read a Deadpool comic that I liked. Like, I read one issue of the You Are Deadpool, and that was fun. Um, yeah. Oh, I love you I read Deadpool. a bunch of... That's a, that's a weird... Yeah. That's not really an introduction to Deadpool. I would say I need to jump, I, and I need to read more of that. But I've read the like. So, so for people who don't know, the, "You Are Deadpool" is a five-issue, choose-your-own-adventure comic written by L. Ewing. Um, it was one of my favorites of the last mixed few with, years. It's really fun. It, I mean, it's mixed with like a D and D like dice roll yeah, thing. Yeah, like, you play yeah, yeah. you it's, play it's very, the comic. Very I love it conceptually. And and uh, Marvel Unlimited does a good job of actually like allowing you to jump around. Oh, they, like, really? I haven't done it digitally. Format. Well, I, at least pre you know update marvel unlimited did, so. um yeah, yeah i had some problems reading these comics this week uh anyway the uh i, I read the the night late 90s deadpool series and like it really didn't do much for me so like I, i'm curious if there'll be a point where deadpool works because this is definitely not it this is like he's still very much in the rob liefeld vein here even if he's, well, he's, a little he's in the more... fabian nisi <laughs> don't don't give liefeld the credit here this is fabian nisi character at this point listen uh i Created Bob, thing, created by thing Bob Liefeld with that, Fabian Nicieza. Okay, the co-creator. I'm sorry, credit I just, is there. if there's one thing that Rob Liefeld hasn't had enough of its credit, so I just <laughs> need to make sure he, he gets a little bit more here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I meant more in kind of the like, it's a bunch of angry, like scowling men all like kicking each other and mm-hmm. doing one-liners that yeah. are like thuddingly unfunny. And um, Charlotte, what was your what was, was your reaction? Well, first of all, about the one-liners, is it? Do I just not know how to speak uh, '90s English? Like, is there a vocabulary I'm missing? Because I couldn't understand half of what Deadpool was saying. At one point, I think it's like the <laughs> second page. He says, "No, Shinola, Sherlock, you feebs think you can SND on me," and I have no freaking idea what that means at all. There's some, okay. um, so, like, there's some like sort of slang stuff going on yeah. to avoid swearing. You know, really. I mean, Phoebes means like you feeble, feeble-minded. Okay, so it's yeah. Like a nickname for like feeble-minded. What's and Shinola? And then SMD is search and destroy. What, oh, okay. Shinola. Shinola. No Shinola, like like no shit Sherlock is what he's going okay. for. But he can't say that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. I yeah, I said Shinola so much is... as a five-year-old in 1993. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is definitely there... cultural. I was walking around telling everyone in my kindergarten, <laughs> no Shinola. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, same. That, that I, was... I called a lot of kids in uh, middle school Phoebes, Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> you're, you're very popular. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> I, that actually might be offensive. So I'm not. I'm not sure. That might be <laughs> slightly uh, offensive. So uh, yeah. Any anyway, it's uh, it, it's them also trying to like somewhat come up with their own slang. There's a little bit of that, yeah. like yeah, yeah, a little bit of like we're coming up with future swears. Right. I think my overall. Um feeling on the, this miniseries it, it sh- is it should have been a black term juggernaut queer miniseries instead like that would be incredible yeah, right. yeah, the, that was the my favorite part, part of the of the series <laughs> honestly so let's talk about let's mm-hmm. dig into that actually because i i was yeah. really struck by that that's definitely the part of this series that jumped out the most to me for a couple reasons um reason the the tertiary reason or the, the secondary reason is because so joe Matt on art I love his Juggernaut. Like, I love the proportions. <laughs> um, I love that Juggernaut is so massively oversized. I thought his Black Tom sort of redesigned here. So this is the point in time where we... Th- so, I guess, backing up even further, this whole Nicieza suite <laughs> of comics, Cable and Deadpool, that we're reading here 
is so deeply indebted to his work on X-Force, okay? Everything here is a literal spinoff out of events yeah. of, like, comics like X-Force 14 and 15, okay? So I think one thing that... When I read these the first time, there's so many references to stuff that happened in those comics and to Tolliver in specifically where I'm like, I do not give a flying F about Tolliver. I do not know a thing <laughs> about this character. Why do they keep coming up? They come up so just, much because of X. I just assumed it was someone I had forgotten. So this isn't a character that like was a deal before? Because I was like, that name sounds vaguely familiar. They're a deal in X-Force in comics that we did not fixate on in the My Marvel oh Year God. Club. Okay. okay, I just assumed it was me just, you know forgetting uh x-men stuff like two weeks well it's that too like it's it's your deficiencies but it's also we didn't read those comics (laughs) yeah all right fair enough (laughs) um but so like that stuff is is super i I don't want to say necessary but it's a it's the backbone of like all this exposition but in terms of joe mad's art style coming in he's very he's more manga influenced than i think a lot of the artists of of 90s marvel are it's a real breath of fresh air like i like this style, I like the design um, in comparison to the school of McFarlane, Eric Larson, increasingly mm. trying to Jim Lee, actually, I suppose, which is like with Cable, we're going to see that Jim Lee influence uh, way more so. Um, I actually like artistically what Joe Matt is doing here. I think it's more in line with a lot of what 2000s Marvel comics would wind up sort of going for anyway. Um, you know, with like Deadpool still too muscly and too oversized for the way we think of this character now. Um, But Mm -hmm. anyway, I like design. Juggernaut and Black Tom. Juggernaut and Black Tom. We've known this duo working together since back in the Phoenix Saga, right? And Juggernaut is stepbrother of Professor Charles Xavier, uh, you know, longtime X-Men villain. Um, They are introduced at that point in the Phoenix Saga as, you know, basically a buddy-villain combo. As the years progress, they are deeply, deeply connected in this, in this series specifically, in the first issue, Juggernaut visits, you know, the Weapon X facilities. He is very distraught at Black Tom seemingly, you know, having been killed. He's very distraught to have seen his, quote-unquote, close friend um, reconfigured, you know, brought back to life as this wood-based, <laughs> uh, you know, um, revitalization, right? The, the, all the, the Weapon X uses a lot of wood to bring Black Tom back. And then we see this mm-hmm. duo taking a couple's vacation, flying together, having <laughs> yeah. little petty spats. There, so much of this is written, I, I don't it's like, you could say it's coded as a romance. It's, it's like, not it that subtle. Subtext, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's not that much stuff. Like they're just, they're, and this is this has remained true to date. They, they are so close. They are so remarkably close to each other. Um, I don't know if Black Tom is often presented as reciprocating these feelings, but definitely with Juggernaut's dialogue, yeah. Like he reads, Kane Marker reads like someone who is in love with Black Tom. Um, so, uh, like again, this is 1993. We're just post North Star coming out. Marvel is not anywhere near brave enough to actually make this a part of the story. It, I wish I had read this before I interviewed Fabian Nicieza because I, I actually really want to ask him in retrospect: Did you write this if intentionally this radar, coding yeah. uh, uh, Black Tom and Juggernaut as as queer? Because it's like. That's a that's a popular reading, but reading this series, I was like, I was really struck by, oh, there's way more textual evidence to this than I probably even realized. Um, Charlotte, go ahead. You you brought it up. Yeah, I think that's that's the it, we've seen it. Uh, I think a few times here and there in X Men, and I think in one issue of Spider Man, maybe 
Um, but I think it, it's never been this heavily. I don't know if it's coded or if it's uh, accidental, but uh, yeah, it, I, I think at one point uh, Juggernaut says something like, um, the the money I'm getting for this is only worth it if I get to spend it with you or stuff like that. I mean, yeah, yeah it's yeah. hard to believe <laughs> it would be unintentional at, by, at that point. I mean, yeah. you, you're you being, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be uh, so quiet about it, Dave. You like basically, you went a little viral on Twitter by posting this panel <laughs> of them on the airplane. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, like, which I, I mean, I'm not bringing up to, you know, fluff you up. At but, Comic like, Book Herald, just go to, check it out, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good tweets. Um, <laughs> <but> only, <laughs> good tweets. But I think it does show that, like, people are really responding to this. And, like, a million people in the comics just being yeah. like, yeah, like, clearly. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I was 14 yeah. and I knew what was going on. Right? Like, Yeah, I think... I, so, I mean, feels... even, even whether or not Nisieza intended it, right? Yeah. Like, I think it, it is fair, you know, with, a, with like, a clear or a queer read to see that, like, there was some kind of, uh, you know... I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, I think like it, it's so, and it's just it's a weird pairing, right? That's the thing to me is that like it's been going on since the seventies, right? Since yeah, Claremont, seven, yeah, um, late seventies, like seventy five, seventy six, something like that. Mm-hmm. And like the two of these characters that are not like a totally natural pair, right? Like no. what else is pairing these two together? Not their superpowers, not their like master plans. It's just that they have a like really established, long running relationship of caring yeah. for each yeah. other. Yeah, uh, that like doesn't need to happen outside of Jug- like juggernaut so totally exists fine on his own as a character and i mean no offense to black tom but he doesn't like bring that much you know like like most you know non like hardcore mo- comic people know who juggernaut is at least at a glance might recognize him yeah i mean the, d- the dynamic black would be tom black tom's is, the so brains like, juggernaut's the muscle right so that's that's why you pair sure. the two together but i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean sure. i think the counter from people who don't see this or don't want to see this, you know, would generally be, can't they just be friends, right? Can't can't two guys just be friends? Sure. And of course, <laughs> there are plenty of friendships in Marvel Comics. Uh, this one in particular, especially the way it's written here in Deadpool the Circle Chase, is written as more than that. Um, so yeah. I, I think and anyone who sees that honest, is absolutely justified in, in seeing it. I think it's there. Honestly, it's it's maybe not as strong as Mystic and Destiny, but it's it's not that far off, like, from the way Mystic and Destiny have been portrayed by Clement. Yeah. yeah, it's stronger here than a lot of the Mystique and Destiny, um, yeah. up to a point, up to a point. Uh, you know, like Marvel Fanfare number 40, which sort of hidden gem in the Marvel landscape where it's clear Mystique and Destiny are together um, in yeah. a way that we know now. So I don't know if, you know, and Fabian Nisese, so he actually wrote a Juggernaut mini that came out in 2020, um, and it does not focus on this at all. We see Black Tom and Juggernaut sort of connect as like long lost pals kind of thing. So like as a creator, he's not pushing to really establish this. I don't. Um, ben Percy has made allusions to this in in their ongoing X Force run. So like, creators are it, it's in the back of their minds. I think it's a thing. It, it could be like it could be like Mystique and Destiny, where in ten years, you know, creators are yeah. gonna be like, oh yeah, I thought I thought that was established. I thought people just knew. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised somebody had to actually go ahead and, and textualize it. But then it's like, well, be, yeah, at this point in time, nobody has. Um, and that stuff matters. So anyway, that is and the reason I talk about that so much is one because it's relevant, and interesting, but two because like Juggernaut and Black Tom are. I mean, probably my favorite thing about this whole miniseries. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, same. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a little dull. Yeah. 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 Wait, I mean... Because yeah, it, it's all just like, I mean, it's Sarajevo. Here's an assassin who is trying to get the Tolliver's will, which is like a huge plot point that it's like, I have no idea why I need to care about Tolliver's will. And then he's trying to assassinate uh, a bunch of people who are connected to this, who Deadpool... Like, there's, there's just... 
there's a ton of new characters all being thrown at you yeah. all of whom like i have no reason to care about we'll get into this with uh the, the cable issues but like fabian nicieza my my big problem with him as a writer is he seems to just he takes your interest for granted in a big way and like i think i'm wrong here because clearly people were interested and people were buying these comics right but like reading it now in 2021 as an adult man um as an adult man <laughs> you really so <started laughs> <your voice cracking, yeah. laughs> um, listen i'm an adult and i have adult tastes in comics um you feel an adult man in 2021 <laughs> there's there's so he gives you so little reason to care about this except that yeah. like yeah, you already care about these characters. You already care about finding out who uh, Sincere is yeah. and uh, Those Blood names. Tea or <laughs> Tea Blood or well, I don't or even George like, Washington Bridge, which sounds like a character from Great Lakes G- Avengers. G-W yeah, the GW Bridge. bridge. Love it, love it. <laughs> right. I mean, I think Zach. To that point, though, it's it the with the hindsight of history, I completely agree with you. But when you're in the moment of 92 93 x-force being this huge thing you know and the live felt mm-hmm. launch of x-force yeah. obviously being one of the best-selling comics of all time i don't know that nicieza was that wrong to think that like yeah if you if you're reading this deadpool mini if you're reading cable you probably read mm-hmm. everything in, in x-force you know what i mean like yeah. there's a certain yeah. assumption there on a comics landscape front and on a sales front where he's right um, but now looking I mean, back, yeah. those X Force comics aren't that essential. So a lot of that, like like GW Bridge comes up, Six Pack comes up. Um, you know who they're calling Weapon X, Garrison Kane. That or the original, you know, the origins are in X Force. Same with Vanessa Carlisle. Like basically, all these characters are spinning out of X Force into these minis. So I there's in it. There's not a lot of work. There's not a lot of care being taken to sort of reintroduce them, um, which I think is to the detriment of these series in hindsight because for readers you know and like the club like we're doing here the interest is going to be in cable and deadpool having minis and nicieza just dives in head first Mm -hmm. as if the stories continued out of the pages of x-force which i think probably in the issue by issue landscape made sense in retrospect it does not um and it really it really slows i think that any narrative velocity of these books because a lot of it is just like Mm -hmm. Like, Deadpool Circle Chase is just like, okay, I'm kind of in over my head. I'm curious to see what early Deadpool looked like. But then once you get a feel for that within the first issue, right? You get you get yeah. your first Deadpool take. You see, okay, he's talking a lot. He's making Ken doll jokes. Um, it's somewhere on that line between offensive and f- trying to be funny. It's, you know, he's a more mature. <laughs> yeah, the best place you want to be is th- that line between offensive and, and trying, trying to, to be, be funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. The, the ideal line for any comedian. Um, you know, it's like he's more mature and edgy than Spider-Man, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you, yeah. you get that through one issue. You don't need four to get through it. Um, uh-huh. yeah. It's, it's yeah. So, I mean, I think yeah. to, to all the points here, I'm, I'm more into Deadpool comics than you are, Zach. Um, I like the late night. I like the 97 Deadpool it, it, stuff. We're it gonna is read more probably certainly. just because I haven't read it. Just to be clear, like I, I haven't read it yet, so I haven't found one. So there's there's a good likelihood that I, I find some Deadpool comics. Sure, that, you know, but but you know my my broader point later. just being like this is this yeah. is building blocks stuff. This is yeah, this is sure. clear building blocks. Um, there's yeah. not a, you know I, I think probably the stuff here that is important in terms of like the, the building of the history of the character is connections to Weapon X, the fact that Deadpool you know, looks like he does and has this tremendous healing factor. Um, we do get the relationship with this character, Vanessa Carlisle, copycat. You know, there's some attempt at romance and pathos there, which again is going to be more relevant if you've read all of X-Force. Um, that's the thing that's not like 
super essential to the Deadpool mythos, but it feels a little more so because of the way the Ryan Reynolds movies play out, you know, because Vanessa is mm-hmm. a character there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the big stuff. I don't know. Am I missing anything? And it's interesting because uh, coming from my perspective as having started to read comics in the 2010s, looking back at these uh, Deadpool, X-Force and Cable comics, it feels like during the starting and ending with the 90s, there was this self-contained part of the Marvel Universe that like ended completely after the 90s and stopped influencing anything else except for the specifics of the characters of Deadpool mm. and Cable. Mm. But like, does anything about the, the six-pack and J- GW Bridge and all that, those characters, do these have a legacy after the 90s? I mean, I think... So, like, for a while, no. But then, after a point, yes, which is kind of the, the historical okay. bent of comics, right? Because especially now, you know, like, like Donny Cates, for example... And not specifically to these characters. Donny Cates is a character who clearly grew up on 90s comics. And I think yeah. we increasing... Steve Orlando, right, clearly grew up on Grant Morrison 90s comics. We see this this influx of creators where when these are the comics they grew up with, they're more likely to want to pull and resurrect those characters. So, I mean, like mm-hmm. Six Pack, um, nothing hugely significant. But yes, I have seen these characters. I think GW Bridge goes on okay. to have a life in like Punisher, for example. Um, so... Uh, very little that we've read uh, in Cable and Deadpool has like tremendous worth later, you know, tremendous relevance later. Um, the Tolliver stuff will continue to play out throughout the 90s. I mean, Charlotte, I think broadly, I guess what I should be saying is I think you're spot on. I mean, I think that is kind of it's very much of an era. It's very much of a yeah. moment of X-Force and the spinoffs being enormous. But then like, for example, like Garrison Kane, this character we see a ton of across these miniseries. I could not tell you a Garrison Kane moment from beyond 2000. I'm sure the character has mm-hmm. appearances. Yeah. I could not tell you a single one. And he's all over this. He's huge here. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, he's uh, almost like, I mean, he's almost know, the main character, uh, almost more than Deadpool and Cable. Yeah, both right. Of these. Right. It's very weird. I mean, my main issue with these comics is, could you tell me what happened in them? Because like, yeah, I really couldn't. And like, I just finished these comics and I'm just like, like it just throws you so, and, and I've, I've kind of liked some of Cable's time traveling, you know, hopping times yeah. thing. Like some of that's been fun. Like I just think he's doing a really poor job of establishing any kind of stakes because it feels so wishy washy and it feels so timey wimey kind of. You know, yeah, it's, it's just hard so, to, like it's hard to know when we are. Are we in the future? Are we in the present? Yeah, Who, which what's, is a, a really what's big deal Cable when you're doing is this? A, a what has he already been through? Is well, Charlotte, and, and Charlotte, you feel that way all the time, right? With your time traveling, <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's just true. your day to day. Charlotte's unmoored from time. She's she's slipping through the time stream. Yeah, but I'm, I'm having I, coffee yeah, with like cable in the future tonight. He's going to explain yeah. all that to me. So. <laughs> Thank goodness. I I think the the ability to recite plot after reading these issues is very indicative of a certain kind of '90s action comic that yeah. we've been reading and that we're seeing succeed here. You know, and it is very much that Liefeld, Jim Lee stuff. Like if you go and read Jim Lee's. Um, not Wildstorm, uh, uh, Covert, what is it? Covert Action Squad, Wildcats. Um, you'll have the same experience, I think, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try yeah. to read uh, whatever the Leafeld ones are, which I'm blanking on as well, with Bad Rock and whatnot, same thing, right? Same with like Spawn, Tom McFarlane's, right? There's a certain style over substance. Well, I think the thing with Deadpool and Cable, uh, Deadpool to a lesser degree, because I actually like kind of where Joe Matarera is taking things, but then the style piece of it actually super isn't super there either. And then Fabian Nicieza mm-hmm. is... I think to his credit, really 
intent and and genuinely interested in building the history and the lore of Cable, right? Like in these five issues, yeah. like you feel like he has a really good idea of what he wants to be doing, and he and he has to I do all the work. He's just, remember, right? Like Liefeld showed yeah. up, gave us a design. Louis Simonson gave us a cool mystery and a cool introduction, and then we got X Force, which was all explosive kinetic energy, but no history. Right, Cable's history has been a total mystery. So Nicieza has to do the lore building, has to do the lore building and the time travel stuff. And I think to your point, Zach, it's really dense. It's really hard to follow. Um, and, and I don't think he lays it out in any way. Like I don't think he lays it out very well. I think it's a clarity like issue more it's... than it's a. Uh, it's not. It's not all three of our inability to understand <laughs> Marvel character lore. That is something I think all of us are very familiar with. Um, varying degrees of interest there. But like, you know, studying yeah. characters' history is a thing I spend a lot of time doing. And and as a fan of these comics, you know, that's something I grew up loving. Um, I think with Cable, there's a clarity issue. in term- Like, it is easier to read a Wikipedia entry on Cable than it is to actually read these comics and take away information. Yeah, totally. And that totally. is not the case with most Marvel characters. It's not. I actually yeah. prefer the experience of reading the comics. That's why when people are like, I'd rather have a YouTube video explain a character to me or read the Wikipedia, I'm baffled by that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just read the comics. With Cable, I would actually say, no, go read a Wikipedia. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's much easier. Which is frustrating because I think that sometimes when he, when uh, Nisieza does some character stuff or like smaller moments that are kind of fun, I, I mean, I specifically remember mm-hmm. the um, GW Bridge and Cable are fighting and then there's Himbo Kane in the background making coffee and asking them what they want in their coffee. I think that's a fun scene. Yeah. Like, if the the comic was more that, I think uh, I liked more. But yeah, the, he's just so focused I mean, on it the needs, it needs mumbo to do jumbo that so that of we, sci-fi. It needs to do that so that we care about all the sci-fi stuff, right? Yeah. Because it, it's throwing me in. It, it Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's taken for granted that I'm already deeply interested in all of these characters and everything happening. And, like, maybe that's a little true with Cable. Like, there's a little bit of that. But there's a ton of other characters here who we've never seen before. Yeah, who, who the hell is T-Blood? T-Blood. Okay, okay. Before we get to T-Blood. Before we get to T-Blood. Speaking uh-huh. of things we've never seen before. Support for My Marvelous Year is brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> the best in men's below-the-waist Great grooming. Great segue. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MYMYMY at manscaped.com. Seriously, you can get 20% off if you just go to manscaped.com, enter code MY, free shipping with that promo code, and and you'll be helping out the My Marvelous Year Club, Zach How's your Manscaped experience been going? Listen, Dave, before I got Manscaped, my situation down there, it was it was a little bit too much like Deadpool. Now, mm-hmm. it's like the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those are horrifying visuals, and they've been brought to you by Manscaped and my marvelous year. Uh, wait, let me, let me, let me, uh, all alternate take. Um, before I got Manscaped, uh-huh. uh, my whole situation was a little bit, it was more Adrian Toomes and less Puppet Master. Um, let's see. Do I have any other? Adrian <laughs> Why is that? He's, he's like a wrinkly old guy. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, okay. yeah I guess. Old uh, although Puppet Master is um, just oh, oh. as old. How is Puppet Master so yeah. smooth? One wonders. He's incredibly smooth. Great skin. Uh, you, you know who? Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he must have had Manscaped. The other uh, C- Cable shows up here with a haircut uh-huh. in these comics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so bad. He needed these. The, he needed that uh, lawnmower 4.0 only at uh, manscaped.com because like that haircut, like. <laughs> It's weird, like he he separated his uh um 
what is it his sideburns from the top of his hair yeah. but he also yeah. still has a mullet in the yeah, back. yeah yeah he he was using an off-brand do you have uh, do you have clippers. any doubt is there any doubt in your mind that cable has just intense nose hairs all the time i think he could really use the the nose hair trimmer which i am loving for manscaped i <laughs> oh, guarantee when okay. people are talking to cable they're like mysterious smells kind of weird and just has like nose hairs going everywhere he does not trim his nose hairs like he takes so much preparation for everything but i bet his nose is just absolutely like 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 vines coming out of them <laughs> yeah yeah so uh like we uh like we've said before uh these manscaped tools are pretty good the um the, the lawnmower specifically which they have, I think it's the lawnmower 4.0, their their fourth iteration of this is uh, it's an excellent little trimmer, and uh, I surprisingly uh, like surprised at how uh, nice of a clean cut it has given me, and uh, yeah, I uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, these products um, are, are I, genuinely very very nice. Um, that's why I recommend yeah. them. Again, if you go on over to manscaped.com, enter code my my at checkout, you'll get twenty percent off and free shipping. Uh, and again, you'll be helping out my marvelous year. So thanks, Manscaped, for the sponsorship. Thanks to you for considering going on over and checking out the products. Let's get back to T Blood. Okay, so I, I have a list here of all the characters that get thrown at you. <clears throat> it's the clan chosen. You've got Silo. You've got Tetherblood. You've got Jedin Scott. You've got Boak. <laughs> you've got Dawn Silk, Eleven, and Hope. Uh, also Garrison Kane. But then there's also all the enemies, which are the Canaanites, which. There's a little bit of interest there because the Canaanites, it's like in the future, the apocalypse, apocalypse, the character, his like clan and his cults or whatever have taken over mm-hmm. and now rule the earth, which is kind of interesting, but we don't really get much of that. Um, but the Canaanites are there, the Flatliners, Strife is kind of thrown in. Someone named Tyler is very much a big part of this. Well, that's Cable's um, son. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, but it's like, I, it, it like has already happened off screen that like something's up with and I Tyler, genuinely so like, had forgotten until yeah. right now that Cable's wife dies in the, mm-hmm. the first few pages. I had completely forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, totally. Right? Like, it's 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 all thrown at you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it, it's a function of the art not selling the moment or if the pacing goes by so fast. But, and, like, you know, that should really matter and really color the whole thing. It you don't feels feel like a comic adaptation of, of a Wikipedia page. Actually, now that you say that, <laughs> it's just like points <laughs> after like, points. Like, like this came after the information somehow? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like there was a better like version of this that then someone turned into a Wikipedia page and then this was the comic based on that. <laughs> that's so exactly I, it. That's really funny. <laughs> I want to say, I think you're both right, first off. It's not like I secretly love these issues. Um, I, I want to say that as a, as a kid who grew up on 90s X-Men animated series, and I know both of you went back and revisited that, right, and, and talked about it on the, on the show, um, mm-hmm. I was so fascinated in that series about the way they sort of shorthand and drop clues about Cable's past, which is the future, right? And all the interactions with this, this war-torn future that's run by Apocalypse and all that stuff. I was like, that's fascinating. I want to know more about that. And I had really hoped <laughs> that this Cable series would be that. And it's like, mm-hmm. it kind of is, but it does it so fast and so hot and heavy that it just doesn't... It, the build to Cable Mini is f- saying, okay, we're going to fill in this mystery of this character's past, which is a pretty interesting mystery, right? And when Cable shows up, it's just like, who's this time-traveling cyborg, right? The cool design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, through Executioner's Song... We then get built to oh okay that was baby Nathan Charles Christopher and and the whole thing with strife 
and there's a clone and Apocalypse is involved, right? And you get that backstory. And now we get a chance to say, okay, and now spinning out of all that, what was Cable doing in the future and what has, has their actual life been like? Um, this comic just does not live up to that hype, you know, for five issues. I, I think the thing that Nicieza does that is probably the biggest letdown, in my opinion, for these five is I think we actually should have spent most time in the future landscape, just lived there, just lived with Cable in that actual era so we could get to know his wife, his, his Tyler, his son his family, these beings around him, as opposed to yeah. the time travel jumps. killing them off immediately. Yeah, it killing them off immediately, and then immediately being like, actually, this is kind of a stealth Garrison Kane solo. Um, yeah. Where this, <laughs> yeah. this character is getting to know Cable in more detail. Like, that stuff to me, again, it's that indebtedness to, hey, remember Six Pack from X-Force? We're going to go back to them. Um, you know, hey, you like Domino, which like, yeah, Domino's fine. You like Grizzly? Mm, less so. <laughs> like, the- and, and then also yeah. like Domino hasn't been Domino this whole time. It's been Valerie shapeshifting as Domino mm-hmm. the entire time we've known Domino. Yeah. So yeah. who knows who Domino actually is? Which, which here's the thing. If you're a collector and you have X-Force number eight and you're selling that as the first appearance of Domino, are you a liar? Are you a liar? Mm-hmm. Because that was actually copycat that whole time. <laughs> One wonders. That's a good point. Important questions that will not be answered here today. Oh, I have. I, yeah. I don't care to answer and that. I think <laughs> the the idea of having a, a story about a future where Apocalypse took over that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like that. This doesn't. It, this feels like it could be any other X Men or miss Marvel that villain. Apocalypse has anything? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like no, no, no I, I agree. It's it's very. It doesn't feel like it has anything to do with Apocalypse. It, no. If it was Magneto or. Uh, any sentinel villain it would be the exact same thing it doesn't it feels almost like it could be in the days of future past timeline like there's nothing specific there's no flavor added to it that would make it more interesting it's very like textbook basic uh, dystopian future Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah really all we get is the canaanites which is just like all right like i've been to sunday school too like what (laughs) like what is the relevance (laughs) here (laughs) you know with the use of that word um so yeah so i these five issues are I, really dense. Um, they're not super yeah. enjoyable. I, I don't think. Um, I think Cable. I think Cable still. I think even through the '90s, Cable's this character where they really ascend quickly and very rapidly. Cable Nathan Summers becomes one of very few X Men who holds a solo title. Right? You have yeah. like Wolverine, mm-hmm. and you have Cable are like the surest solo title character. And Cable's existence in that space is so uniquely built on potential i think like there could be really cool cable stories are there that many no (laughs) especially through this decade um and you know these this five issue kickoff doesn't do a lot so we've talked about nisi as writing again i like nisi as a writer i actually like nisi is fascinating to me because this is a creator who defines so much of x-men stuff that uh that i think a lot of times people don't realize how influential he is you know, in this era. Um, so I find it really interesting on that perspective. But, like, artistically, Cable's also kind of a weird mess. The first two issues are by Jim Lee's longtime inker, Art Tibbert, okay, doing a Jim Lee, which, not surprising, inked a ton of his comics. Um, then we jump into just this wild hodgepodge of, like, Ron Lim and friends, essentially. Um, you know, but a lot of big names. Like, you have Klaus Jansen involved, Paul Smith by the third issue. Um, and then by the end of it, there's somebody else doing... There's some other name here that I forgot about um, in issues four and five. But it's it, again, it's like the series just quickly becomes, oh, Derek Robertson, 
who goes on to do yeah, like, interesting right. work on like, Transmit and stuff. And they took over. Yeah, yeah, on issue five, which I think that is a, a bit of a breath of fresh air. Um, yeah. As far as what is interesting from these five issues, the, the important stuff to take away. Cable has a son named Tyler who he thinks is killed in the future. It turns out Strife, who's still around, obviously, traveling through time, um, basically captures uh, his son and makes him one of his acolytes, essentially, right? So in terms of their connections, Cable here through these five issues continues to think that maybe he's the clone and Strife's actually and it, and the it real And it uh, totally confirms, boy. finally, that like Jean Grey and Scott Summers are... His and Stripe's parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he talks about. I, it's weird. He uh, he talks about like Strife came to the past to you know assassinate Jean Grey. Our parents, Jean Grey and Scott Summers, uh, and he wasn't able to succeed. Ironically, when I attempted, I will succeed. Who knows what that means? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's still we'll there's remains doubt. I think from like a character like Garrison Kane, who's like, I think Cable. I think Cable and Strife might be the same person, and Cable's just like pretending. <laughs> and uh and actually they're the bad guys you know so there's some stuff like that which they continue playing with um i don't know for me it's just all is so wholly untapped potential and it's it's a mm-hmm. story where i'm like there's a good version of this this is not it um and i i look forward to reading it i'll just say like and, and this is very damning if this was if i handed you these five issues as just some random 90s off brand you know like Here's this uh, here's this '90s short-running imprint called Thunderstrike, and uh, and this this series only ran for ten issues. Here, read these. I'd rather read Thunderstrike. Like, I want to be clear. No, no, I'm saying I that's don't the, think you do. That's <laughs> the publisher, the publisher is some made-up you know imprint, and you never heard of any of these characters, mm-hmm. and they had no history. And I handed you these oh, five sure. issues. Right, you right. Would, you would read two yeah. issues of it and be like, oh, okay. Well, whatever. and I think it's just some '90s nonsense. That that argument is something you know, Zach, that you and I have have gone back and forth on, I think, a lot. Because as we do the My Marvelous Year Club, there's a lot of times where you could hold up certain Marvel comics and be like, yeah, but compared to good comics, <laughs> you know? So it's like you kind of have to treat them as their own thing. And, and there's a certain <clears throat> investment and interest in character history and and lore, which is a thing we've talked about sure, a sure. lot, you know, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in terms of, like, making this journey worthwhile. But definitely... These comics, you know, because like I'm, I'm in a place as a reader right now where I'm way more interested in reading like contemporary stuff that is critically acclaimed and regarded. Like, like this past week, I read American Born Chinese by Jin Lu and Yang. I'm reading Moms, oh, yeah, which is this great. Korean graphic novel that is excellent. Um, I just read The Magic Fish. Like, I'm reading all of these great graphic novels, and then I'm like, and I have to read five issues of 93 Cable. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. you compare them yeah. on those terms. It is a massive waste of time. You have to be invested and and just want to experience the Marvel history and what these characters are for for books like these to have worth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what we're going to, you know, the challenge, I think, as we go through the rest of the 90s, um, especially to a certain point, is like, what are the what are the ones that have merits on their own terms beyond, you know, just like, well, I want to know what's I want to know about Cable. You know, because Mm -hmm. I I truly, truly, like, this is one of the first times in my life where I felt this, but it's like, you are so much better served reading a Marvel encyclopedia on cable or reading a Wikipedia Mm -hmm. page than taking the time to go through these issues. I so rarely feel that, but I felt it very strongly here. Yeah, the, the, uh, I mean, it's kind of like, that's what Marvelous here, like, kind of should be trying to do, right? Is like to guide you through this without having to read 
as many like unnecessary like homework comics yeah right right right. and i mean i guess this is one of those times where it's like yeah these are important homework comics but they are the like the most homeworky of comics that they're the most they're the most homeworky of this entire year for sure i mean looking through the list like Mm -hmm. next we're going to read infinity crusade which finishes out starlin's infinity trilogy there's some weird wild guardians of the galaxy insanity we're going to do with that then we're going to talk x-men fatal attractions which is a big x-men event then we're going to do the return of frank miller and john romita jr on daredevil the man without fear a jim starlin graphic novel on daredevil black widow and then some weird oddball stuff that's just kind of fun um but these are the most homeworky by far i think of this entire year where it's just like oh i meant to i meant to roast you earlier get prepare yourself for a roast <laughs> okay day. Let me get ready. you ready yep you ready for mm-hmm. this 1990, Frank Miller was back doing a graphic novel with Lynn Varley. <laughs> I told you Electra about Lives this. Again. <laughs> I told you about this, you nut. <laughs> Did you know about this comic? Did I know about it? I told you about it on a show. Uh, I'm sure it's recorded. <laughs> nah, I don't know about that. I, I don't know it. if anyone will be able to tell. W- won an Eisner Award in 1991 for a best graphic album. Yeah. Album? Best graphic I mean, album. if a comic had the name Alan Moore or Frank Miller on it, it won an Eisner Award <laughs> <laughs> that year. That was I'm just that saying, was the bent of those awards at that why, point. Why didn't we read this comic, Dave? Well, I did, because I do my homework, Zach. So you t- you tell me what your answer I was, is. I was, I was pretty PO'd when I found out that we'd missed this comic. I like how you would then not... Did you then track it down and read it? Or did you just sit there no. mad and wait to... <laughs> No, this is this is more about uh, you know clout for uh, being mad at you mm-hmm. than it is about actually reading comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's an interesting work. It it's it's definitely one of those. It's only like eighty seven pages. Well, I'm, I'm definitely and it's actually weirder it to me that it's not in Marvel Unlimited um, compared to uh, Electro Assassin. You know, which I I get some of the reasons why. Um, but that one to me is like I don't know. There, there's it's it's weird to me that there are Frank Miller written great art you know comics on Electra and Marvel Unlimited's like. <laughs> like what are we gonna do yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's part of the epic imprint which often if not entirely gets overlooked on marvel unlimited like well with the sass i assume it's because it's mature you know but i don't yeah I don't know well yeah sure but like uh like alias gets clipped out because it's a, a mature work well, punisher max, max yeah. is not on uh on there because it's a mature work or epic collection whatever yeah and we are not mature readers as we've established so i, I mean that is fair yeah. i wouldn't want them to expose us to that um all right any final thoughts here on on cable and Deadpool, I mean, I think you know, obviously, like the bent of this has been definitely you know critical, um, yeah. which is you know what we do. I think again, like the reason this stuff's interesting is because these characters are interesting. I like these characters. I like Deadpool and Cable, and that's why these comics are relevant. Um, if you want just immediately to go read some good Deadpool and Cable, uh, I really recommend the Fabian DC has a written Deadpool and Cable series, <laughs> or maybe it's Cable and Deadpool. Uh, I forget the order. I think it's Cable and Deadpool now. I can't remember, um, but it started it feels in 2004. Like something Deadpool would argue about within the comic. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, that's probably every introduction who, page. Who gets named first? Yeah, so. um, but that starts yeah. 2004. I really like that series. Uh, go read that instead. It's much better. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? Yeah, from you? like I just, I mean, I do want to point out, like, like I said at the beginning, like this comic did nothing for me, and I felt like absolutely took my interest for granted. But like, I'm wrong, right? That's the <laughs> that's the main point. There is like, I'm wrong. This series ran for like 120 issues or something. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Cable's huge throughout the 90s. Yeah, Cable's so like, Cable's ability to sustain a solo is very interesting. Um, and I think it's, it's I think so it again dead, speaks like, to how huge this character is, Liefeld is, the Image guys, and X Force was because that's a thing that without having lived through it, 
I don't know that we can recapture how flipping big <laughs> Cable and X-Force yeah. were, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it, I mean, it, you know, it's genuinely surprising because it's just like, we're 12-year-old kids just like, especially without a Marvel Unlimited, you're going to miss issues and then you just pick up like Cable 11 yeah. and get thrown into the middle of the stuff and then you're just like, hell yeah, this is ugh, this to me is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? You know what else sorry, Cable misses in a solo series though is like, it just... It misses those moments, and I think this is something that Lifeo was good at, actually, in X-Force, of just like, oh, there it is. There's the splash page of the massive guns mm-hmm. yeah, and these fun, yeah, yeah, goofy totally. new characters. It just doesn't really have that to it. And yeah. even that, like then, at least then they'd be like, oh, I get what I'm getting out of this. I get what the money's for, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it, it <laughs> sure. doesn't have that. Charlotte, you were going to say something? Uh, no, I, I mean, yes, but about something else. Charlotte, say something. <laughs> it's about in the... <laughs> no, I thought, I thought you were trying to... No. In. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I think we're all, we're all actually... I, I was worried that I was going to come in here and be like, ah, these comics and Dave would be like, what are you talking about? This is this is good stuff. This is yeah, Nicieza no. at the height of his power. <laughs> <laughs> kind uh, of is, ironically. <laughs> um, I, I, I do think... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're bad mouthing this creator that I like, um, but these comics just don't work for me. I mean, I, again, like I've said it time and time again, I think Nisia's X Men is really underrated for how important it is. And also, again, I just think too, like you know, you saw this with Executioner's Song, Zach, where when you talked with uh, that was with David Brothers, right? Um, mm-hmm, but it's yeah. like they left, you know, all the all the seeds for that were left by creators who just bailed, <laughs> like had no plans on on <laughs> yeah, finishing yeah, it. Yeah. So I think there's some. Nisi is a lot of times the guy who has to like tape it all together and there's challenges in that and I, I think there's a commendable job and effort to sal- like salvaging um, Deadpool for example and even making the, the progression from just a design into a character that's going to have legs is hard work <laughs> you know what I mean um, but it, it doesn't fully come together here it doesn't totally come together here but it will it will eventually and it wouldn't have without this mini so I think in that regard it's it's important i think zach in terms of like stuff that i'm gonna be like oh i love this and i can't believe you don't i don't this isn't really a year for that like this is a year i when i look through this list like there's not there's not a lot of comics here that i love um i gotta say like i don't i think i'm pretty down on marvel 1993 i guess is what i'm getting at (laughs) even frank miller coming back i i'm actually way more down and we'll talk about when we get to it i'm way more down on the man without fear than most uh, I do not mm, think super highly okay. of it. Um, so okay. we'll get to that, you know, in, in that episode. Um, I think 94, there's going to be at least one series that I love. Um, but beyond that, we kind of basically, I, I, basically I'm waiting for Age of Apocalypse. Basically, I'm sitting here <laughs> yeah. waiting till we get to the Age of Apocalypse, if I'm being honest. Just nine, I, you had it in the uh, the bonus round of 1995. Well, that's because we, that's cause we it, spent an entire reading month or something on it initially i mean yeah you know, we, we okay. took a whole chunk of time which is probably what we'll i, I do did again look here i did look ahead to see 1994 you do have more cables cable issues in here and i'm but did you notice that they're highlighted <laughs> by somebody who maybe <laughs> was thinking i'm not so sure about that anymore <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 okay i figured I figured something like that um yeah i mean 94 does have uh marvels you that's know, the that's Kurt the Busey. one Kurt, yep. that's exciting busiak that's kurt busing Actually, I've just I've just adopted him. I've just claimed him as a relative. Uh, so we're, I'm just going to call him Kurt Busing. The, the fourth Busing boy. Yep. Kurt. <laughs> Who's probably older than you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's exciting. Probably. I, I haven't read Marvels. Probably. Except, I mean, maybe maybe when I was like, I don't know where we're talking about this. It's so far off. But 
I haven't read that comic, I think, unless I was like 14 or something, read it, but uh, I'm excited to get to that. That'll be a fun one to revisit. All right. Any other final thoughts? No. Okay. Um, No. All righty. Thanks, everybody, for listening. My Marvel This Year is brought to you by Manscaped. Go on over to manscaped.com, promo code MY at checkout for 20% off. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald on social, at comicbookherald.com for all the cool written articles. Uh, Zach, Charlotte. Hit me with where people can find you. Find me at My Marvelous Year, or at My Marvelous Year on Twitter. And uh, over in the Slack channel, where uh, you can yell at me for my, my bad opinions. And you can get that Slack yeah. access by going to patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year. Charlotte, where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can find me at Fierro Charlotte on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on the Slack. And you can find me in the future. <laughs> excellent music for my marvelous year is by disaster piece d-i-s-a-s-t-e-r-p-e-a-c-e uh anything else i think that's it thanks everybody for listening we will see you in the future no we'll see you see you next, see you next year, year.